Tevin the Keg Daily is live for Thursday. It is October 5th. We're going to talk about the Milwaukee Brewers disappointing again in the postseason. We're going to do fact and fiction from game number two. And then we'll talk about a few Bucks topics. Uh, the Drew Holiday, Lauren Holiday controversy, I guess. Would you call it a controversy? Uh, we'll talk about that. Uh, we'll also talk about some comments made by Dame made by Marjan, uh, lots to cover, a uh, little spiciness maybe between the beat reporter and the Bucks. Yeah, we'll get into all of it. Uh, Bucks, Bucks are gotta, gotta refocus our attention. Uh, before we get going, just a reminder, we are on every social media platform you can think of. Tevin the Keg on Twitter, Tevin the Keg Sports on Instagram as well as TikTok. We had a nice TikTok go viral today. I didn't even expect it. I just kind of fired it. I saw an awesome green screen. I was like, oh, this is very relatable to what's going on in Wisconsin sports. Posted it. So if you're in here because of that TikTok, uh, we are on Apple. We're on Spotify. We're wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, if you already are subscribed, drop this in the group chat. You know what to do. Uh, shout out to those who listened yesterday. My guy T, T- Nemo12 uh, hit me up on Twitter. was like, I listened to the show yesterday. Uh, we were talking a lot about the Jesse Winker uh, decision, and Jesse Winker was, I had to play it again today. Uh, I didn't hear from him last, tonight, so I assume, uh, hopefully he's okay. Uh, hopefully did not drive to the hone or anything like that. Uh, but yeah, we, uh, we'll talk about that Winker thing later in the show. Let's start, though, with another disappointing playoff result. The Milwaukee Brewers had a chance to be legendary today. They had a chance to come back. Nigel Morgan threw out the first pitch. Tony Plush. The crowd was excited. It was a louder crowd than game number one. It was a juiced crowd. Whether it was because the roof was closed or people had time to get in their cups on Wednesday versus a Tuesday, they were ready and raring to go and to pick this Brewers team up. And it seemed like things were going in the right direction. The Brewers jump out to a 2-0 lead on Zach Gallen. And then they don't really do anything for the rest of the game. Uh, the Brewers had opportunities. They knocked on the door multiple times. But Arizona, with an Alec Thomas home run and a four-run inning, beat the Milwaukee Brewers. And the Milwaukee Brewers are eliminated. And in one false swoop, we do not have Brewer baseball anymore. I will say that I'm stunned. I would say that I am extremely surprised. I laid out on Monday's show why I felt like we could beat the Diamondbacks. I thought I felt pretty good about it, honestly. I think that sweep was not something that I would expect because I thought Corbin Burns would deliver. You're facing Brandon Fat. I, I can't pronounce his name. I don't care. It's like fought. It's like a, a part of my take said it's like the, how a rich person would say fart. It's fought. But anyways, doesn't matter. Uh, he's going to get blown up by the Dodgers. Uh, but, and the Brewers should have taken full advantage of that game. And he should have been at least up one nothing. And they lose Zach Allen today. I'd be like, all right, it's do or die against Merle Kelly. It's like, you got to figure yourself out against Merle Kelly. You couldn't deliver in the clutch in that game. Now maybe you can do it, you know, in that game three situation. But the Brewers fell short. They were meek. They did not necessarily have that one or two big hits that drove anybody in. The Brewers had multiple guys on base and they only drove in five runs. I think it was 21 in total. It was something ridiculous. And the Milwaukee Brewers just failed to deliver in the clutch. And how many times have we said that in the past? How many times have we made a claim of the Milwaukee Brewers not finding that one big hit? And you look sort of, 
wistfully off into the distance and you look at what the Texas Rangers did today, right? Adolis Garcia goes yard, then Jake Jung gets a, a triple because it's a bleeding one in right field that a Rays player lays out. He scores a run on that. And then Evan Carter, their top prospect, hits a two-run homer, and the Rangers are up 4 nothing, and they don't look back. It's important to note the home runs. Carlos Correa, the big signing for the Minnesota Twins, knocks through the, the, the first single of the game, the first run of the game, and then the Twins are able to get one more and a dominant performance by Sonny Gray, their other ace to Pablo Lopez, and the Twins are moving on to the second round for the first time since 2002. So all of these things are there. Uh, the Philadelphia Phillies, again, home runs. You had JT Real Muto with a solo shot against his former team to go three nothing, and then Bryson Stott hits a grand slam that completely put Philly into a frenzy. Somehow, Citizens Bank Park has become the best baseball stadium in America. I don't really know when it happened, but it is, and it's true, and it's the model of success, and it's what Brewer fans should live off of. You don't usually say, "Hey, be like Philly fans," and I don't really like to see. The Philadelphia Phillies happy or even the Minnesota Twins happy for that reason because a lot of those fans cheer for teams that I hate see the Minnesota Vikings see the Philadelphia 76ers but the Phillies know how to fucking cheer the Twins the Twins crowds were great and those were 330 games in Minnesota and everybody showed up everybody was ready to go a uh, friend of the program sites made it down to to that game the twi- there is Twins fever they are going to welcome that team back whether it's 1-1, 2-0, or 0-2 against the Houston Astros just to get a chance at potentially an ALCS. And it, it dawned on me weirdly um, as I think the Twins had taken the lead or, uh, yeah, I think they had taken the lead in the game against Toronto today where I was like, what if the Twins are the dark horse? What if the Twins are the team that ends up in the World Series, not the Brewers? And it's like the Midwest, right? It's that NL AL Central. Because the Twins had such a good run down the stretch. They can really hit the baseball. And the Milwaukee Brewers just can't. And the Milwaukee Brewers don't hit home runs. And my guy Brett, uh, Jake Stern, or Jack, I think it's Jack, uh, were adamant that the Brewers just could not get by without hitting home runs, without hitting doubles. And it turned out to bite them in the ass. The Milwaukee Brewers did not have enough extra base hits to win this series. They didn't have enough extra base hits to win any series. I think they would have figured out a way to beat the Marlins, but that was probably the only team they were beating with their sort of philosophy on baseball. It is just not getting it done. If Matt Arnold is applying the logic that the Tampa Bay Rays do, he needs to throw that in the fucking trash. He needs to go Ron Swanson on that ass. Remember, Arnold is a Rays disciple. The Rays have been a postseason disappointment besides a Mickey Mouse 2020 year. So you have to consider that. They're always there, but they don't finish. They don't get to the big dance. They they just sort of are in the midst. They're in, in the conversation, but they never take that step up. The Brewers are now 1-9 in their last 10 playoff games. Craig Council has not seen an NLCS since 2018 even though the Milwaukee Brewers have had multiple opportunities. For the first time since 2018, the Brewers weren't facing a red-hot team in the Diamondbacks. We talked about the Diamondbacks' trolls. The Diamondbacks were 35-43 and 
and down the stretch. The Milwaukee Brewers, since June 16th, with this crazy Paige Sporanic story that Grant uh, Blyes of Wisco Sports Show did about how Paige Sporanic might have saved the Brewers' season, it was like they've been 58 and 36, I think. So since the middle of June, the Brewers have been an absolute wagon. Yet the wagon falls off the tracks. The wagon catches dysentery and can't make it across the the Ohio or Oregon River. I think the Oregon River is one. Might be the Idaho River. I'm not up on my Oregon Trail. You guys can fact check me. It's so frustrating, man. It is so fucking frustrating because this is the one that I think stings the most. And I know I know what you're gonna say, Charlie. That's classic, like, hyperbole bullshit. Fuck you. No, seriously. Like, think about this. This Dimebacks team was not playing well. This Dimebacks team has one of the worst, not one of the worst, but a average to below average bullpen. The Dimebacks have two fucking pitchers, one that didn't even pitch. And we still lost in two. We didn't just, if we lost in three and it's close and it's hard fought, I think that I can have some sauce. I can think I can have some gratitude. 2020, throw it out completely. 2019, you ran into a buzzsaw with the Washington Nationals. You should have won that game. Trent Gershom fucked it up. Josh Hader fucked it up. And they should have won that game. 2021, again, a buzzsaw of the Atlanta Braves. Nobody was hotter than the Atlanta Braves heading into that postseason. They ended up winning the World Series. The Nationals ended up winning the World Series. I think the, the Brewers' good luck Chuck streak is going to end with the Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks are going to get fucking smoked by the Los Angeles Dodgers. And it's going to be similar to Packer fans watching Atlanta a couple weeks later and be like, how the fuck did we lose to this team? That's how I feel about the Diamondbacks. And I apologize if there are any Diamondbacks fans listening, but that's just, it's just how I feel. It's just my opinions and how I, how I see this team. The Brewers should not have lost this team. And that's just, man, it, it really... It really gets at you. It really gets under your skin. And it's it's definitely it's definitely one that is gonna take some time. Because as people pointed out, like it, this is supposed to be the golden age of Brewers baseball. And it's been nothing but disappointments, and you're not even really at the doorstep, right? You're you're kinda hanging around, you're hanging around, but you're not invited into the real party. The real party of the NLCS, the ALCS, the World Series. If the Brewers had, you know, made a couple NLCSs, whether it's 2019 or 2021, I think maybe we're we're a little more of shrugging it off. Like, yeah, it just wasn't our year. It seemed like it was, but it wasn't. And I'm just trying to think what went wrong. This team was so fucking hot. This team was so dialed in. They, they looked like they just could not be beat. And there was something just special going on about this team. It felt almost like a little bit of a team of destiny, winning it for Craig, winning it for Bob Euchre. But instead they lose, they lose in two nights and it's over and it's dead and we're done. We're done with Burr baseball until March when they play the Mets. That's absolutely wild to me. I would have never expected that with how good they played. But their philosophy does not work in October. And that's a major problem. And the Brewers have to figure that out. So whether that's trying to convince the Mets, who have your old boss, to trade us Pete Alonso for Corbin Burns, or it's getting another power hitter that is you know, on a cheap contract or getting another William Contreras. 
we need to build a team around William Contreras. And I'm not sure we have enough of them. Now, do we have trade pieces that can, you know, make, can turn into William Contreras? Yeah. And I know that people aren't going to like it. Someone's got to go between Garrett Mitchell and, and Sal Freelich. I, I don't know who it is. I think I would lean Sal, as crazy as that fucking sounds. Uh, but I, they're the same player. How I, You can't really have both on the roster. And then you, you know, you also have to consider other guys. I'm trying to think of other names that I that I probably put in that sort of conversation. I don't know, maybe Joey Weimer, but Joey Weimer kind of has a special skill set where he's a right-hander who hits lefties. He just has a weird swing. The Brewers have a lot of work to do, man. It, this They have to figure out like what can take us to the next level. And I understand the small market stuff. I know so many of you will go to your normal tropes about, oh, they didn't spend enough money and Mark Ananasio is not doing enough to promote winners and it's all fucking bullshit. You know it, I know it. You like to say it because it makes you feel good. It is a blanket. It is a warm bowl of soup on a cold day. Instead of actually paying attention and understanding that the economics of baseball do not allow for it. The San Diego Padres went all in this year. As a small market, and remember, they're not exactly a small market. I don't forget that. They're a small TV market because of LA, but they are one of the biggest cities in the country. They're eighth largest. They sell a ton of merch. They sell out their crowds all the time because San Diego is beautiful. They've created a beautiful experience. And so, of course, they're going to be able to support the revenue until they're not. They said they're going to have to cut payroll. They're going to probably trade Fernando Tatis. And let me tell you, if they're going to trade Fernando Tatis, I am interested. I will take a conversation of a Corbin Burns for Fernando Tatis deal. I will talk about that. Want to have a conversation? That's a massive contract. But if you think that you can make that work with that in Trio, who I think is going to get a big deal here soon. I don't know when, but he will. Do it. It's probably a little intense, but you know, you you you're going to see the San Diego Padres immediately cut salary. They're not gonna to want to be at that number next year. It'll be very interesting to see where their number ends up, and we'll see if the same people who are sucking their dick are gonna still be back for more. Probably not, right? So you can be blaming on the owners and say that this is their fault. No, it's it's the players, it's the manager for some of the things that he did. It, it all is those two guys. And that's that's really where it comes down. Corbin's had a 3-0 lead. Didn't deliver. Frank Peralta had a 2-0 lead. I'm a little more forgiven on that. And I also think you could have made the case, Freddie, after he walks Perdomo, it, was, it looked like it was kind of cooked. So another disappointing year is over. Uh, I might be also the bad luck charm. Uh, I was at both games. We lost both. I've now owned three in playoff games. I think I might actually be owned four. So I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's me. Um, and if so, that's a problem. Uh, but we'll have to, we'll talk about that at another date. Let's keep this rolling with fact and fiction from the Brewers Diamondbacks game number two. The Diamondbacks had the horseshoes. Fact. Uh, the Diamondbacks got lucky. I don't know how many times, right? We talked about the Evelyn Gory play yesterday. Uh, today, Zach Gallon gets a hot shot uh, by Freelich right to him, knocks his glove off. He's able to make a double play out of that. 
the Diamondbacks get out of an inning where it looked like it was starting to fall off the rails for Gallon. And had that ball get get through, I think a run scores. The Brewers are up at that point 3-0 or 3-1. And then double play happens and everything else ensues. Uh, the Perdomo play at the end of the game where Tyrone Taylor lashes one and Perdomo knocks it down. And because Donaldson really wasn't running on contact, his slow ass gets gunned out at second base. Again, just luck after luck. The bleeding quail that was that was delivered for the final run, the fifth run by Guriel, I believe. Just so many dumb shit stuff that happened, and every break went the Diamondbacks' way. And said it in the review, uh, tapping the keg on Twitter, tapping the keg sports elsewhere. The Brewers can't afford to lose the bricks. When you're playing this kind of kind of baseball, you can't afford to lose those bricks. Craig push Craig Council pushed all the right buttons today. That is fiction. Uh, that is bad. I mean, Craig Council, another rough day for him. So when guys struggle, I try to under like managers, GMs, uh, coaches. I try to understand like why. Right, that's a that's a big thing for me. I think it's actually really important as a sports fan. I'm not telling you how to fan. You can be mad at Craig Council. You can call him Clownsel, uh, which I I feel like is the lowest form of sports takes. But I what I will tell you is what I what I would say about anybody doubting Council and the the bad decisions. And look, I'm not saying he made the right decisions. He made some bad, very bad decisions in this game. I think Council envisions how these games are going to go. I think there is some journey mapping, right? And they're like, all right, well, if this situation happens, we're going to do this. And what if this situation happens, we're going to do this. And I think they have it mapped out pretty well. I'm sure there are certain situations where they're like, okay, trust your gut. And, you know, and, and his gut was wrong. He pushed the wrong buttons. And I don't know if that is just playoff exhaustion. I don't know if that's teams that are able to figure out what they do in the playoffs. I have no idea, but it's been bad. They also have only scored 1.8 runs in that stretch. Brewers felt hapless against Zach Gallon the second time around. Fact, I have no idea what the Brewers were doing with Zach Gallon the second and third time around. It, it just really felt like there was not a ton of great swings. Now, Gallon's a great pitcher. Maybe he got settled in. Maybe it was just something that who Gallon and how he pitches is it leads to him necessarily being able to mow down guys. Uh, and the Brewers didn't take enough pitches. They were not patient at all um, and just sort of let Gallon sort of work his way into the sixth inning. Uh, that was you know really frustrating because I feel like had the Brewers been able to make it a long inning to get, I think he was at 80 pitches heading into the fifth inning. Had they been able to sort of slow Gallon down a little bit, they might've been able to get out of that. And that would have been huge for what the Brewers were doing with that bullpen. And I, you know, I know I said like, hey, they were great bull, they were not a great bullpen during the regular season. They were the last two games, but still you never know, right? One more guy might've made it a bad thing. You know, Kevin Ginkle, was awesome on Tuesday night, and then he loaded the bases, and he got and he got bailed out by his left-handed, you know, reliever counterpart. But it, it, you just never know, and so that was frustrating uh, to me. Is that it, and that happened yesterday too, where the Brewers just 
once the Diamondbacks had done something, they kind of, they kind of started pressing. And that was something we saw earlier in the year. They kind of got away from it. They kind of kept their composure. The Brewers just didn't really have much composure. Trevor McGill should have been in over Admiral Rebe. That's fiction. Trevor McGill's done all right with runners on, uh, and he looked good in the ninth inning. I know it was kind of low leverage considering the situation, but I don't think I would have went with McGill there. Abner's numbers with guys on is impeccable. He does really well. Uh, this was just an unfortunate blip on the radar for him. And maybe the moment was too big, right? Maybe facing elimination was not the spot that you wanted your rebate to, to be in. I didn't realize that he was our shutdown guy, but apparently he is. And Uribe just could not deliver in that moment. Watching Miguel made me wonder though, it's like, do you go with Miguel? Now, here's just the inverse, just so you know the mind of the fan. Had Miguel been in there and it's not Uribe, we would have all been screaming for Uribe. We've been like, where the fuck's Uribe? Why isn't Uribe out here? And so that's kind of the thing that gets tough because you're like, all right, well, he made the gamble on Uribe being good, which he's been good all year, and then he blew up. And this has been, what, the third maybe, the fourth blow up that Uribe's had. I can think of the Padres game. I was trying to think of another one that he's had where it's it's gone you know sideways. There Was there a Cubs one where he did not pitch well in Chicago? I don't think so. I don't think Uribe was part of that. Anyways, it doesn't matter. I, I also, by the way, I don't know if this is gonna come out. Uh, this late this morning or it's going to come out in the actual morning because i do not oh i have wi-fi i have wi-fi we're back we were down for a second there i was like oh i don't have wi-fi so i wasn't able to check your rebay's bad box scores but now i can't so here you go uh we'll we'll take a look but yeah avenue rebay has been great and i i don't think I don't think this is one of those where you're like, oh yeah, Abner Rebay, there's no reason, there's no way he shouldn't have been out there in that moment. I have no problem with them relying on their young pitcher who's been really solid, who has a you know 0.1 war with a 176 ERA. He's been great, you know, in a lot of the stuff he's done. I'm trying to think the ones that he blew up in. Let's see. So he had he did pitch well in the Dodgers game. They lost seven to one. That was a bad one. The Padres won was the bad one, um, but he had actually, interesting enough, had given up runs in the last two starts prior to uh, the game against Arizona on Tuesday, and then gives up again. So he kind of ends the year on a little bit of a sour note after having you know stretches of dominance. Sal Freelick should have been pinch hit for. That is a fact. Look, that inning is going to haunt my dreams because you, it's five to two, the Milwaukee Brewers, they bring in a lefty. The Brewers have the bases loaded with one out. Joey Weimer is that moment. That's the moment for Joey Weimer. I understand that Joey Weimer has not had a big league hack in three months. I also understand that Joey Weimer strikes out. But guess what? Joey Weimer can run into one. If Joey Weimer runs into a grand slam, it's six to five Brewers. If you're like, all right, I want to be cautious, at least maybe use Owen Miller, right? He didn't use either. He let Sal Freelich hit. Sal Freelich's OPS against lefties is not good. That He has a lot of work to do against, you know, the same handedness as him. And Freelich meekly bounced to the pitcher and he was able to get one out at home. And then Willie Adamas went down swinging and there you go. And the Brewers were able to be scoreless in that inning. You, you cannot keep Freelich in that spot. It's too big of a moment for him 
let somebody else get their chance. Whether it's Weimer and it's a little less pressure because he's just coming in for one hit or it's Owen Miller to just get the ball in the air. And I understand that these guys are free swingers, but let them fucking swing. The free swinger in Tyron Taylor was the only home run that the Brewers had in these two games, right? So I don't know. I, I would have let you know somebody else swing the bat than Sal Freelock. I feel bad for him. Uh, he had two you know, game-changing plays in this one, but it's going to come with experience and he's going to figure it out and he's going to learn. And, you know, the next year might be, might be a little different for Sal if the Brewers get back. The Winker boos were justified. Oh boy. So this is fiction. Uh, I don't think the boos were great. Um, I was furious that Jesse Winker was at the plate. I couldn't believe that he was getting another at bat. I was very upset. To hear the boos absolutely rain down in a playoff game is absurd. That is crazy. Now, this was not at Jesse Winker. This had nothing to do with Jesse Winker. Is Jesse Winker a bad baseball player this year? Yes. Were the boos at him? They were more at the frustration that Winker was the chosen one. That was the one that they went with. Where they're like, hey. We're going to bring somebody off our bench. We have Blake Perkins. We have Owen Miller. We have Joey Weimer. But you know who we're going to bring up? Jesse Winker. That's what the boos were about. Now, again, I don't think that that was the smart move. You're at home. You're in a playoff series. You're down 5-2. to two. The fans basically were out on it. And they're out on it quick because it felt like same old Brewers. And they were frustrated. And when you get frustrated, you boo. We are a booing society. We boo all the time. Booing is part of sports more than it's ever been before. You might not like it, but that's how it goes. I mean, look, I'm, I'm a hypocrite because I go on TikTok, I go on Instagram, I go on all these platforms, give my review, main character syndrome to the fucking T and I do it immediately or I try to do it immediately and what's booing? That's an immediate guttural reaction. So that's why people boo. I don't agree with it. I don't think it's what they should do but they, they are like, what is the, what? how can I express my frustration? Boo. So and that's what Jesse Winker got and I'll be curious to see what Winker says you know, a month from now, a month and a half from now. He doesn't really mince words. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if Jesse Winker, you know, lets it all hang out about the Milwaukee Brewers and, and their fan base. The Brewer fans leaving early was pathetic. Fact. Fuck those people. You shouldn't go have a Brewer second. It's a playoff game. It's five to two. Like stay for the end. There was a couple. There was a family in front of us. Mom just blasting selfies during fucking at bats, clutch at bats. Was just like selfie. I'm like Jesus Christ. Like your Facebook friends can wait. Like Bunko Group can wait to see your goddamn photos from the Brewer game. Settle down. And it's just like you can do it at like do it in the middle of the inning. That's that's what normal people do. I think. I don't, and from what I understand, playoff tickets are not that expensive, okay? They're not like out of this ballpark. The Bucks are, it's a different story. 
But the fan base who just decides to go to Brewer Baseball and haven't watched Brewer games all year, I'm not trying to gatekeep, but man, oh man, keep your thoughts to yourself. All right. I, I talked about the guys yesterday. It was a little bit better experience besides the selfies today. But it's like, geez, man, can we at least know a little bit of ball? Can we just know a bit? Can we watch five games this year? Can you at least pay attention to the box scores like my guy Eric does, where he's like, I don't watch baseball, I just watch the box scores, which is psycho shit. It's like he looks at the box score every day. It's like, why don't you just watch the game? And he's like, oh, it's boring. And I'm like, I mean, come on. It's, Pitchcock, that's why, why it was invented. But yeah, I, you can't leave early. That's not a spot. I understand it if you have a bit, you have an early day in the morning. But even then, I like it. No, I can't. I, I just cannot. I really can't. It's part of the experience. You stay till the end. You stay in the fight. If it's 13 to nothing Diamondbacks, I get it. I get leaving. That makes sense. It sucks. But I get leaving. I get leaving if the Brewers are up 13 and nothing. If you're like, all right, beer sales are out, we're leaving. Yeah, great, go celebrate. So, uh, yeah, they, the only times you leave early is blowouts. And this wasn't one of them. So, bad, bad form. Lastly, this fucking hurts. Fact. Uh, you know, I as I said in the open, I, I thought this team was good. I thought this team was special. I thought this team could be a dark horse. My dad certainly did too. Bought a ton of tickets. I was going to get refunded, which is great. But I think he saw this as a very special year for his Milwaukee Brewers. And I've talked about it on the pod before. We'll talk about it again now. But, you know, the Brewers are the title I want. That's the one I want. Because it would. I know how happy it would make my dad. And I want that for him. I want to share that experience with him. And we, you know... He's getting older. He has time. I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with him. Don't worry for those who, who know me and know my dad and are listening. He's fine. But, it, you know, time's, time's running out a little bit. And so I want this to happen, especially in this golden era, quote-unquote, of Brewer Baseball. Maybe it will. And maybe, you know, him and I can celebrate and we can enjoy, you know, a Brewer's title together. That would be one of the best things in my life. But we'll have to wait. And we'll have to wait again. And he'll get excited. He'll be ready to go for March. We'll be firing off hot takes 10 games into this season. But yeah, I feel for him. I, I hurt more for him than myself. Um, I will say going to the baseball game with him for the last two days was great. It was really enjoyable. I had a lot of fun. Spending time with your dad is always great. And I, you know, love that he brought me along. Uh, it's not been my favorite week. I'll just put it that way. And it's it helped me take my mind off of shit. And it's been a pretty shitty week since last Thursday. And it, so it's like the Packer game. Now I think I'm cleansed, right? We have a new Thursday night game. I'm cleansed. Bad week is over. And and now I'm for those who are listening who are you know, it's I'm all good. Don't worry about me. Okay. Um, it's all it's all gravy, uh, but yeah, it's just yeah, it's it was nice to it's nice to do that for a couple of days and take your mind off things. But now now we have to now we have to go back to it. Now we have to think about the Milwaukee Bucks and get excited for that season and get excited for the Green Bay Packers who feel like it's been forever since they played. We're not even talking about Packers. I don't know if they practice today. I don't have any Packer topic for you. 
Uh, I thought about doing bad preview, but maybe I'll do that on Monday. I'll, I'll do that Monday. Sorry. I wasn't going to do bad preview today. I'll do it Monday. Uh, we'll get you ready. We'll get your bets in. Um, you're not going to be betting on the Packers before Monday, likely. Um, and if you are, you know, you can put them in a money line parlay, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't exactly recommend that. So, anyways, uh, yeah, we have, you know, we have Badger basketball, Badger football, not, not Badger basketball, but oh, okay, seriously, Badger football, uh, Marquette basketball. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, there are, there are things to get excited about, but you're kind of in this, it's just football here now for the next few weeks. All right, speaking, speaking of stuff that's upcoming, let's talk basketball a little bit. Uh, Drew Holiday along with uh, Bucks training camp. So Drew Holiday and his wife Warren, well actually his wife Warren, but Drew shared it, wrote this long piece on her Instagram about how it sucked to get pulled out of Milwaukee. That they had a child just starting first grade, they had a son that was just starting preschool, that the Bucks dads walked their kids to school, that the kids were friends with the other Bucks kids, and all this other stuff and talk just about the impact that leaving a place like Milwaukee you know, has on them. What I have to say is they're crocodile tears. I know that might make me sound like an asshole, but the holidays have a lot of fucking money, okay? She was a former pro soccer player. He's been in the NBA for a very long time. They are pretty okay. If they really wanted their kids to stay in preschool and in first grade, if they felt like the education was great in the city of Milwaukee or wherever they are, probably Fox River, but wherever they are, Fox River, Fox, yeah, Fox, no, what am I thinking of? I, I oh, River Hills, sorry, Fox River, yeah, I was like, what? River, River Hills, so yeah, I mean, wherever, whatever rich suburb they're in, if they think it's that good, keep your kids. Just, you know, Drew can still live in Milwaukee, just he just commutes in to see anybody. They're a very deep familiar unit. I realize they're not going to do it, but I just can't feel bad for this. This is sports. This is how it goes. And the holidays get a bump because they've you know won a humanitarian award. They are extremely well well respected as a family. I think they're you know one of the probably top ten, definitely top twenty sports families that we have going on right now. They've done so much good for the community. I'm not trying to discount any of that. I'm also not trying to discount how you feel, but it just comes off as tone deaf. Like this happens in the NBA all the fucking time. This happens in every sport all the time. They don't give notice because they're moving in silence. They already saw the fact that Drew put out a piece with Jim Ostrowski of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel saying he wants to be here forever and he wants to retire a buck. Why do you think that is? They're like, oh, Drew had no idea. Are you sure about that? There's stuff I know about that sometimes I just forget or don't tell my wife. And my wife's like, did you know? And I'm like, ah, no, I had no idea. And, and in back, and I might have, you know, might have heard something. Drew definitely heard something. There's no way you can tell me he didn't. And he'd be like, oh yeah, we, he woke up from a nap and then he found out he got traded and we had no heads up. Nobody wanted to talk to us, the whole thing. Here, they, they had to move quietly, man. This Dame Lillard thing was the biggest story going. They did not want it to get leaked. The Milwaukee Bucks, after the Lazarus and Coach Bud, are adamant that shit is not going to leak. They are keeping an airtight operation. You're still going to Boston. 
You're still going to one of the premier teams in the NBA. You're going to have a prominent role on said team. You're going to likely have assistance in getting a house and getting a school and all this other stuff. It is not an easy transition, but that's part of fucking sports. People get laid off at their job all the time. Every day, someone's getting laid off probably. And they sometimes get no notice. They don't get, they're not on a PIP. They're not on anything. They're just like, hey, we need to restructure the company and you're gone. What about those people? Those people don't have a job. But Lauren Holiday's mad because she's moving from fucking Milwaukee to Boston. Cry me a goddamn river. I, I know that I'm sounding abrasive. I'm sounding harsh. Maybe I don't understand because I don't have kids. But it's, I'm sorry, you're in the NBA. You're in the league. This happens. Maybe they felt like they were untouchable. Maybe they felt like they were. Ne- this was never going to happen to them again. And they've been around, right? Drew getting traded to New Orleans. Uh, Drew getting traded to Milwaukee. And now getting traded to Boston. And he was in Portland, but not actually, I think, feet down in Portland. They have to understand this is part of the business, man. I, I, I just, it blows my mind. And maybe I was too harsh. And you guys can tell me that. You can say you sounded like an asshole. It was mean. It was bitter. But I just, I can't necessarily get down with what Lauren Holiday is saying. And everyone's going to everyone's gonna praise her. Everyone's going to talk highly of her. Jordan Schultz, who is one of the biggest engagement baiters that we have in our, in our, and I wouldn't say our industry because I'm not in it, but in like the sports media industry, Jordan Schultz always inserts himself into conversations that he doesn't need to be in. And he was like, this is outrageous, yada, yada, yada. It's like, well, we got to make the trade, man. Can't tell everybody. Can't just be like, hey, we're trading for Damian Lillard. We're trading for all that. Like, who the fuck does that? You get laughed out of the room. Did, is that what Lauren Holiday wanted? Did she want a memo of, hey, we're trading your husband? Like, just so you know, are you cool with that? All right, you're not? All right, well, yeah. Oh, they started preschool? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, maybe yeah. Maybe we could see if they, they'll take Bobby and Grayson and a couple more picks. How about that? We'll see. Okay. Ah, they're not going to do that. Uh, so we got to trade. Oh, wait. Oh, you, you have this other thing going on? Oh, yeah, Maybe. All right, we'll, we'll try something else. Fuck that. It's not how it goes. It's not how it works. It's not how any of this works. You know, the progressive commercial? Yeah, so I tell you, I'll still give Drew a cheer. I won't winker him, you know, when he comes to Milwaukee if I'm at the game. But man, man, that was just, I, I did not like that, as you could as you could see. Uh, as for Buck's training camp thoughts, I have a lot of them. Uh, it, 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 first of all, shout out Buck's media. I, I don't know if maybe I wasn't paying enough attention last year or if I didn't if they didn't have as many you know clips and photos, but they were doing a hell of a job getting this stuff out there. I, re- I really like it. Let's start with Damian Lillard who spoke to the media. He started talking about Giannis's chemistry. He's like, we're fi- finishing each other's sentences. I'm like, wow, that's cute. Um, and they're just like, they seem to be so dialed in already. Damian Lillard was talking about watching pick and rolls with Malcolm Brogdon. That's how far back. He's going into the database to watch Bucks, to watch Giannis and learn how to play with Giannis. Dame is a hundred percent committed. Dame had the quote of you know the week so far for the Bucks saying, "If you clog the lane, I'm going to make nine threes." 
So there you go. The Bucks never had that. And that's so exciting. That is so, so awesome. And it'll take a little time. I'm not, I'm not trying to think it's gonna be overnight that the Bucks are, you know, have Giannis going for 35 and Drew go, or uh, Dame going for 40. Like I, I highly doubt that. But he also talked about like his usage rate might be down a little bit. He's okay with that. It seems like Damian Lillard's happy to be this number two for Giannis Antetokounmpo. I think there's a select guy that Damian Lillard wanted to be number two for, and it might be one of one with Antetokounmpo. He also gave high praise to Marjan Bochamp, who I want to talk about in a second. But it's like Dame Dame feels feels comfortable and ready. And as for Marjan, uh, he took a little shot at Bud. He said, "Well." You know, we're all about pressuring on this team now and we're not necessarily, we're not necessarily going to, you know, let up. We're gonna be relentless. He's like, yeah, if I fouled last year, I'd be out of the game. Which is a pure shot at Mike Budenholzer. Uh, and it seems like he's gonna be guarding wings. You know, Damian Lillard mentioned, I don't know, it was, it was Marjan, I believe, it was like, I'm gonna be guarding the best players in the game. Don't sleep on Marjan Bochamp for that fifth starting spot. I think Marjan has a real chance to be a difference maker. I can't believe all these national media podcasts who are like, well, what about the Bucks perimeter defense? Oh my God, what are they gonna do? Dame Lillard, such a bad defender. It's like, do you guys know about Marjan Bochamp? Do you know about Andre Jackson Jr.? Do you know those guys? They're dogs. They are guys that Marquette, or uh, Marquette. Uh, the Bucks have not had in a very long time. They don't have that youth movement. The youth movement is there. Like, oh, the Bucks are old. The Bucks are old. But they have some young guys kind of to filter through, right? And there are other guys who have the ability, whether it's Amari Moore, whether it's Jasmine, like, they have some real talent, I feel like, on this roster that goes beyond just the Lillard, Giannis, Pat, and Marjan's part of it as well. So, We'll see. And Dame sung his praises. Was like, I love this guy. Like, this is the kind of guy I want to play with. Like that, those are all good things. And you can see why Giannis took Marjan under his wing. And yeah, the Bucks, Bucks get going preseason wise on Sunday at eleven at the Fiserv Forum. I believe there is a Marquette uh, scrimmage. Is it? I think the day before. I think on the seventh. So Fiserv Forum popping with uh, hoops exhibitions. Can you get your mind off things. I will say a lot of good Marquette stuff from my guy, John Fanta. Uh, the David Joplin breakout season is upon us. I don't think you have any place where you can wager to win Big East Player of the Year, but maybe you put a little sprinkle on Joplin because we have long odds. I wouldn't hate that idea. Cam Jones, you know, uh, another guy that very excited about. So it's a really exciting Marquette season. And I will probably because that's how championships work. We have a same sad sack podcast as I do right now. I hope that's not the case. I hope that we're talking about Marquette won the national championship. That'd be incredible. That would be absolutely phenomenal. But more likely than not, we're, we're having this podcast. All right, that does it for me for the week in terms of solo. I'll be back with Mitch tomorrow. We will continue the moratorium on the Milwaukee Brewers. I have a Bucks topic that I love for him, and we'll get ready for Packers Raiders. We'll, we'll also, I think, because they're playing the Raiders, we're gonna have to talk about Mitch's former Raider fandom. He's not a Raider fan anymore. I just might have told a story on the pod again. We're gonna make him tell it again. So we have that. 
Uh, yeah, and that's uh, today's show. Hope you, I, I just want to actually, before I completely wrap, just thank you for all the listens when it's been brewer-related stuff. Really appreciate it. Thank you for those who've engaged. Thank you who knows who are listening or subscribed now that they didn't before listening to or before listening to podcasts and it was the brewers that got them there. I really appreciate you guys. Uh, I always say I'll try with off-season content. It's a lot tougher with when you're covering all these different sports, but we'll, we, will, we shall do our best. All right, take care. Have a good one. We'll see you tomorrow. Peace.